Welcome to Ag This Week, sponsored by the New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau. This is your host, Delene Hodnett. This week's podcast begins with a look to the next generation as the New Mexico FFA president talks about National FFA Week. We'll also learn about a great program from New Mexico Ag in the Classroom, and we'll hear a wrap-up review of the 2022 New Mexico Legislative Session. Our on-the-ground report comes from Taos County goat rancher Mario Trujillo, and Derek Davidson finishes off with advice on how to stretch your fertilizer dollars. Did you know that February 19th through the 26th is National FFA Week? We're proud to support the New Mexico FFA and everything they do to help guide students to a career in agriculture. Anyone who's gone through the FFA program knows that agriculture is more than just farming and ranching. It's everything from natural resources to wildlife and floriculture to forestry. This broad approach explains why the organization is growing and currently has over 4,400 members in New Mexico alone, with a total of 735,000 members in all 50 states and two territories. Joining us today is New Mexico FFA President Sydney Turner with her take on National FFA Week. Hello, I'm Sydney Turner. I am serving New Mexico as a state FFA president. I am excited for the many opportunities to get involved during National FFA Week. Whether it's National Wear Blue Day, Give FFA Day, hosting a community service event, or all of the above, together we can make a lasting difference. Imagine the impact we can each have by showing our support. Visit FFA.org today for more information. Let's keep our FFA community strong. Thanks, Sydney. The New Mexico Ag in the Classroom program is thankful for FFA involvement as they take lessons to elementary and middle schools statewide. Brittany Lardner, program coordinator, shares an opportunity for FFA mentors. Hi, everyone. My name is Brittany Lardner, and I'm the program coordinator for New Mexico Ag in the Classroom, reporting to you this week on a great opportunity for community involvement at your local elementary schools. Are you or someone you know currently in FFA, 4-H, or are a part of a volunteer group searching for ways to connect to kindergarten through fifth grade classes and wanting to advocate for agriculture by sharing your passion for ag? Then we've got just the thing for you right this very minute. Our current ag literacy project is a one-hour presentation that includes hands-on activities that connect to agriculture, learning the water cycle, and showing appreciation for our farmers and ranchers. Each classroom that you visit gets to keep the Ag Literate book that's connected to the project. The name of this book is called Right This Very Minute, and it's a farm-to-table book that guides students through an entire day of meals, which helps to also connect them to an important role that farmers and ranchers play in our daily lives. The hard work and dedication that farmers and ranchers put into their fields and livestock remind us that no matter what the weather looks like, agriculture still happens. So they deserve a big high five for ag from us as consumers. I'm currently going around the state handing out books and training kits for committed chapters, clubs, and groups. Help us to spread the word and be sure to visit our e-newsletter and social media pages to stay in the know. Thanks, Brittany. For more information on New Mexico Ag in the Classroom, visit their website at nmaitc.org. Agricultural education was one of the benefactors of the legislative session as FFA received funding in the newly passed state budget. With over 600 bills and memorials considered during the 30-day session, it was a rush at the Roundhouse this week. Here with a review of the session is Tiffany Rivera, New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau's Director of Government Affairs. 
This year's legislative session officially wrapped up Thursday at noon. As session was ending, Speaker Egoff dropped a bombshell and announced that he would not be seeking re-election and would be departing the legislature later in the year when his term expires. In addition to the Speaker, Representative Damon Eli, Deborah Armstrong, and Karen Bash have also announced that they would not seek re-election this fall. These departure announcements followed two previous legislative resignations. Prior to the start of this year's session, Representative Alonzo Baldonado of Valencia County resigned after serving 11 years in the House. Freshman legislator Representative Brittany Baez of Albuquerque also resigned in the early days of session, stating that she wanted to focus on her mental well-being. Lastly, after a rough year and a major fallout with his previous political party, Senator Jacob Candelaria has announced that he will resign, vacating his Albuquerque seat later this year. This session included many environmental initiatives supported and endorsed by the governor, which look to make New Mexico a leader in environmental policy. Legislation included items like the Clean Future Act, which aimed to reduce emissions to net zero by 2050, the Constitutional Amendment for Environmental Rights, which looked to secure rights to clean water, air, and land for the people of New Mexico, and the establishment of a clean fuel standard, which proposed to reduce transportation emissions to mediate the impacts of climate change. These proposals, which we strongly opposed, ran at a time or were tabled in committee, a major win for New Mexico agriculture. Other large priority items like the governor's hydrogen hub, which was strongly supported by both Senators Heinrich and Lujan, experienced large opposition from a variety of organizations and was not successful in making its way through the legislature this year. Throughout the past 30 days, the legislature worked hard to craft and deliver the governor a budget valued at $8.4 billion. The budget reflects a 14% increase in spending over last year, which equates to roughly $1 billion additional dollars in appropriations. Funding bills that are making their way to the governor's office include the general obligation bond. We are happy to report that this legislation does not include the governor's $50 million proposal for conservation, which also included land acquisition. Another funding bill of importance is the junior bill. This bill includes appropriations for various pet projects and initiatives, and currently the bill includes funding for acequias, farmer's market, agriculture education, soil and water conservation districts, 4-H, and FFA. We did experience a small defeat this year, which occurred in the capital outlay bill. The bill, which is headed to the governor's office, includes $5 million for land acquisition, which is provided to the New Mexico Game Commission. This item was identified as the governor's priority item, and unfortunately, we were not successful in having it removed. Overall, the budget and supplemental funding bills have proved to be extremely friendly to agriculture and include a multitude of funding for weather stations, agriculture education, hunger initiatives, increased capacity at the Office of the State Engineer, and more. Other beneficial pieces of legislation headed to the governor's office includes a tax bill which exempts Social Security income tax from the state's personal income tax and reduces New Mexico's gross receipts tax rate over the next two years, both which are priorities of the governor's office. The governor has until March 9th to sign or veto past pieces of legislation. It will be an interesting and exciting year ahead of us.
With rumors already brewing about the potential for a special session and elections quickly approaching, there will be many seats up for the grab in November and New Mexico's legislature and executive office could look quite different in the next session. We look forward to the work ahead of us and continuing to engage with our legislators during the interim while getting to know the new potential candidates. As always, we will continue to advocate on behalf of our members and for New Mexico agriculture. Thanks, Tiffany. One of the topics expected to be addressed during the next session is the 50-year water plan for the state. Water management is a priority as our state deals with a continuing drought. Mario Trujillo is a Taos County Farm and Livestock Bureau president and raises meat goats. He explains the consequences of drought on his herd. His name is Mario Trujillo, and we got into, actually my mom and dad got into the sheep and goat business about 10 years ago. Prior to that, they used to run registered red limousines, but the drought kind of forced a food shortage for them, and they just quite honestly weren't able to afford the feed to keep them sustained. And so, as a result, they had to sell off the herd, and they decided at that time to diversify, and they got into sheep and goats, specifically the boar goats. So when I moved back to the ranch almost eight years now, we were in the goat business. We wanted to make sure that anytime our first priority for our kids go to the um, kiddos in 4-H. So if any of them contact us, they're looking for a goat, they're always going to get first pick of the litter. After that, whatever we have left, we do sell for meat production. I'll be honest, when I first moved back, I didn't think there was going to be that big of a market. I was happily mistaken. That's actually a really quickly growing market. I was surprised. We're always sold out of goats literally every year. We have repeat customers and we pick up new ones. We maintained it this year because we raised the price last year. Thanks to the grace of God, we were able to go ahead and maintain what we did. But in order to do that, we also had to call the herd and cut our herd costs. I will tell you, yeah, at one point we had 60 to 70 animals on here, and we're now down to 16. That's, yeah, it's very significant. Uh, and once again, it's one of those where you kind of have to rob Peter to pay Paul and to stay in it. We were looking at this year, we're probably going to be playing anywhere from 10 to $12 a bale. Traditionally, we pay 5 six so it literally doubled normally we produce our own hay you know we don't have to rely on buying hay we produce it but out of a field that we can normally count on getting four or five hundred bales this last year we got 26 that's a hundred percent because of the drought but i mean you do what you do you know what they say if you want to become a millionaire as a farmer or rancher you should start with two million you know, we love what we do. We're going to keep you going just as long as we can. And if we have to call and rebuild, then that's what we do. But we don't stop. We don't give up. Thanks, Mario. If you're a grower who's looking to stretch your fertilizer dollars, Derek Davidson, Doniana County Farm and Livestock Bureau President, has some suggestions for you. I work for Scale Ag Services and Southwest Research and Production Complex as a sales agronomist. So I work with growers around the state predominantly in Mesilla and Hatch Valleys, uh, as well as eastern El Paso, far west Texas, and over in the Pecos Valley, Roswell down through Carlsbad. My main crops I deal with are pecans, um, but there's also quite a bit of chili, onions, cotton. I have a couple vineyard customers. More the specialty product market, not necessarily the commodity fertilizers like 32 and 1034, but micronutrients, 
and soil products, soil amendments, as well as phosphorus and potassium protected soil available products. What seems to be the case is higher demand, especially in the Midwest, coupled with lower product availability. One or the other is going to cause prices to go up, but the fact that we're having both, that kind of explains some of it. There's production delays due to various COVID-related shutdowns. Maybe they can't find employees to work. Then there's all kinds of logistical delays in shipping, so their product might be out there, but they can't get to where it needs to go. Uh, There's various tariffs in place. Then there's just natural gas prices, because natural gas is a big player in a lot of the nitrogen markets. And so with increased natural gas prices here in the States, as well as abroad, specifically over in Europe, those types of things are gonna, are kind of all playing a factor in this. And also one thing is just inflation. Going back to, you know, what's causing increase in prices, part of it could just be inflation. So there's a few things that that farmers can do. Some of them uh, are really no cost at all. And a lot of it is making sure that you're putting out that fertilizer, say nitrogen in this case, when the crop needs it. Because that can give you more bang for your buck with just that and potentially be able to reduce um, units applied. And some of it involves utilizing some specialty products, uh, specifically in the market of soluble carbons. And what those entail are uh, amino acids, phenolic acids, plant extracts, humic acid, uh, linardite. Um, We've seen that those will help protect or chelate or complex those nutrients and make them more efficient and more available for plant uptake. Really look into some of these efficiency products, whether that be something that's enzyme-based or uh, polymer, uh, carbon-based, something like that, because we've seen firsthand in this valley what doing those can, using those can do. And I think a lot of growers will find that it's not only an agronomic benefit, uh, you're gonna see, I think, a big financial benefit doing it as well. Because what these additives are, are, you know, like I already said, carbon-based amino acids, things that the plant needs anyway. And so using these can help accelerate the plant cycle. They can take a jump in the protein synthesis, especially like amino acids. They're needed in that process anyway. So the nitrogen in the plant is reduced ultimately down to a protein, um, but in that process are amino acids. So you know, you can put some of those out. They kind of jump the cycle and help with that. They're a form of organic nitrogen. I wouldn't necessarily say it's going to be in place of nitrogen units, but they are, it is beneficial. And just know that there are options going into this year. I know in a lot of conversations I've had with growers um, around the area, once they get over the shock of what these prices are, then we can start working into a program to alleviate some of that cost. Thanks, Derek. This has been Delene Hodnett with the New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau's Ag This Week.